0: Good morning. My name is Christoph. I am the minister to youth and families here at Faith, and I am super blessed with the opportunity to uh, give you the message this morning. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, uh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, so if you've got your Bibles, start pulling them out. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles uh, on back tables. Um, if you don't own a Bible, take that Bible. Put your name on the inside of it, keep it, use it, read it. That is God's Word. What a blessed thing to have. Um, we're going to open up our Bibles. We're going to be in two places mainly. We're going to be in Proverbs 14. And then if you want to put your, put your thumb in that, we're also going to be in Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And before we get started, I, just, I, I felt uh, during worship the conviction to say this. It is such a blessing Sunday mornings to sing with all of you. I don't know if you guys, you guys feel that same way? Yes? Yeah, we can, we can talk. We can. <laughs> yes? Yeah? Thanks, Lucas. Yeah, it is, it is such a blessing to sing together. It is such a blessing to sing God's truth together. One of the things I look forward to the most on Sunday mornings is singing God's truth together as his family. Um, That's such a blessing this morning. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you um, for your word. Thank you for a chance to... Um, Thank you for the opportunity to, to preach your word this morning. Lord, I pray that um, what is said here this morning is your truth. I pray that you um, would not only convict us, but you would also draw us closer to you. I pray that we would find contentment in who you are. Um, and God, I pray ultimately above all, you would be glorified this morning. You are so good. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we've been going through the book of Proverbs over the, over the last uh, last month and a half. Um, And I was thinking about this as we've been going through Proverbs is that uh, a lot of times when we're going through uh, books of the Bible, we're taking big theological truths and we have to, we have to boil them down into application, right? We take these big theological truths and, and we, we, we take the application out of them. But I think with Proverbs a lot of times we have it the other way around, is, is we're given these very, um, these very good dos and do nots, right? We're given do this, don't do this, and sometimes we have to build up to uh, the why. Um, my daughter, who is, is two and a half, has this habit of asking every single time we get into the car, where are we going? Where are we going? And then two minutes into the car ride, where are we going? And I'll tell her. Then another four minutes into the car ride, where are we going? I tell her where we go. We keep going all the way till we're actually there, and we like pull up into the driveway of Grandma Grandpa's house. And where are we going? Are you kidding? We're here. All right, <laughs> we're here. <laughs> and so um, this morning we're kind of doing the same thing. We're gonna be asking God why. Why is it important that we don't do this? So we're gonna be talking about envy this morning. We're gonna be talking about envy and what Proverbs has to say about envy. Let's see if I've got this. Uh Clicker working. Look at that. Proverbs 14.30. So if you're in Proverbs, Proverbs 14.30 says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Rot. We're going to be talking about envy, and if the truth of God is to our souls like cold water is to our body on a hot summer day, then envy being rot is like someone giving us a hot cup of poison on a hot summer day. Um, A lot of us this this past Wednesday celebrated the 4th of July, um, and it was a warm day on the 4th of July, right? If you were outside at all, it was warm, it was muggy, the heat index was high, um, it was warm. And so uh, my wife's side of the family has a tradition of going down the Peshtigo River floating, right? If anyone here has been floating, you grab inner tubes and you float down the river and uh, this time around, as, as boats have gotten more popular, specifically like kayaks and canoes, we took a, we took a canoe uh, down the river, <laughs> and uh, I, I can tell you now I still have the sunburns under this shirt from that day, and I'll tell you, after we got done going down the Peshiko River in the hot, muggy weather, the first thing that I wanted was a cold glass of water, Right? <laughs> And instead what i got was a lukewarm bottle of water that was sitting in the car as we were floating down the pestio river and I, as i was drinking this i you know this is kind of like envy to my body right now this is rot um this is this is what envy does to our our soul is it it, it produces rot within it it is it is hot poison so I think to better understand envy, so the Bible says clearly do not envy, but I think for us to do a better job of not envying, we have to understand what envy is, so we have to develop a good idea of what envy is, and then we need to take a look at Scripture and see how Scripture tells us to avoid envy. So I'm going to keep this super simple. I've got, I've got three things on what envy is, okay? Three things, and then I've got three ways for us to battle envy, and then we'll be done. Three things. So those of you who are note-takers, you've got easy, easy path. One, two, three, One, two, three. First, envy is a form of covetousness. Oop, did not mean to hit that yet. Envy is a form of covetousness. I say the word covet. Covet, of course, is one of the big ten, right? If you grew up in the church, you grew up going to Iwana, you heard the Ten Commandments, you probably memorized the Ten Commandments, you probably couldn't recite the Ten Commandments right now, but you're like, yeah, I remember hearing about that one, covetousness. It's about wanting something that isn't yours. Coveting something. You shall not covet. Envy is a form of coveting. Uh, But there's a cousin to envy that we have to talk about before we talk about envy, because there's Jealousy right? And the reason we have to talk about jealousy is because God is described as a jealous God. We kind of have to work around that. We have to talk a little bit about that, the fact that God is jealous. God does not sin. Therefore, there are forms of healthy jealousy. And we know that. We know that there's, there's healthy forms of jealousy. It's healthy uh, to be jealous for your, the love of your significant other. That's a, that's a good jealousy. Um, it's good to be jealous for your reputation, that, you're proper, that it would be proper, well understood. Paul, in Second Corinthians, as he's writing to them, actually says that he has a divine jealousy for the church. So we can say, well, that there are good forms of jealousy. However, envy is never spoken about in that sort of manner. A lot of places that talk about envy. Proverbs three thirty one says, Do not envy a man of violence, do not choose any of his ways. Proverbs twenty three, fourteen through fifteen says, Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day, sure there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. And first Peter two one says, Put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Envy is not looked upon in a good manner. God is never known as an envious God. He's known as a jealous God. So, envy is different than jealousy. Envy is never to be in the life of a Christian. I was trying to think of some ways that envy pops up in our lives. And so, I wrote down just just some different ways that envy pops up in our lives. And um, maybe some of these will resonate with you, maybe some of them will not resonate with you. But um, I kind of went through different stages of life. As I have a a toddler, I I obviously start with a toddler. Um, The toddler looks at toys bringing joy into the hearts of another toddler, and they try to snatch it away. And it's like every parent's nightmare. You're like, what are you doing? Are you serious? The child hears of a friend who's allowed to do something that they're not allowed to do. You're not supposed to watch that TV show because you know that the words that they say are not good words. And of course, the child says, yeah, but this person gets to watch that show and they curse their parents due to their envy. For the teenager, have you guys ever heard of the phrase fear of missing out? You guys have heard of that, it's, a, it's abbreviated FOMO, fear of missing out, this is an actual thing. Uh, with this current culture and the rise of social media, um, this fear of missing out feeds on our teenagers. It's this idea that they might miss something that's going on either within their peer circle group or uh, within pop culture. And this leads towards anxiety and depression, so much so that this generation, Generation uh, Z, I believe they're being called now. By the way, they're not millennials. I'm a millennial. The current teenagers aren't millennials. They're Generation Z. Um, They are are currently statistically referred to as the, the most anxious and depressed generation because they're dealing with this. Because they're dealing with this need, to know and have what others have. What about the college student who's in their early 20s and they envy the other one who's landed a specific job or internship? Or or maybe the college student who has found a significant other, and because of this and because of their envy of this relationship, they pursue unhealthy relationships. And that's not just for early 20s. That happens at every course of life. What about for the family in their early 30s who see one married couple move along in life? And what about, what about in the early 30s there's married couples who are moving on in life and you have a single friend who, who envies that and, and you ask God, why did you not give us that? Or what about the family who, who they have children but they're envy of the development of, a, of another's child? Or maybe your child is, is, is continually sick whereas others aren't. And it stirs up envy in your heart. We keep going to the family who's in, uh, what, what, about, what about to the person in their early 40s? Um, you have a child who's in sports and you're envious of the, of, the, of the family who has the kid who's doing better in sports, right? That's a thing. Maybe you see families that are experiencing other places or having other experiences and you're envious of that. Also, to the family or the person who's in their early 40s, I, w- I would caution you to judge the teenagers who mess with or, 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 or deal with fear of missing out because statistically, I don't know if you know this, statistically, the, the, the highest age group on Facebook is millennials, right? So 20 to uh, 30 at 82% are currently on Facebook. Do you know who the second highest group of people who are using Facebook on a continual constant fashion, it's the age group 30 to 49, and that's 79 percent, only three percent less than the previous generation. And so this isn't something that just teenagers or millennials are wrestling with. It is also something that adults and families are messing with are or, or, or dealing with is this fear of missing out or going onto social media and comparing your life and it stirs up envy inside your heart and what about those who are retiring or about to retire or want to retire and i see those around them retiring and they they go i wish i could have that sort of life i wish i could be on the golf course golfing and instead i'm here working it stirs up envy needless to say envy causes covetousness in our heart. It's both passive and active. So don't think that if you, if you didn't hear any of those and you go, ah, that's, that's other people, or, oh, this person should really hear this message. Stop, rewind. You probably need to hear this message. I need to hear this message. I need to know that envy is not okay, and I need to know that it, it does live within my heart. So if envy causes covetousness, but it's not... Jealousy. the question then is how do we identify it, right? How do we identify envy? So if, if one, envy is a form of covetousness. Two, envy causes resentment. And guess who you're going to resent when envy stirs up in your heart? It's not going to be the person you're envying, although there's a little bit of it there. And it's not going to be yourself, although there's a little bit of it there. But who's the good father who promises to give us good gifts and promises that he's working all things together for his glory? It's God. So second, envy causes resentment towards God. Envy causes us to resent God for what he hasn't given us this is the why to our what of what we're talking about today. Envy causes us to look to our Creator, and to resent Him. So I know that I'm using a lot of <laughs> I'm using a lot of uh, stories with my daughter. But when you live with a two and a half year old, a lot of your stories are two and a half year old stories. But um, my daughter has discovered the joy of ice cream. She loves ice cream. We've gotten to a point where we purchase ice cream. We're putting it in the bag that she can't see it, so she doesn't know we have ice cream at home. Um, <laughs> and and we've, we've fallen into the trap. I know a lot of parents are like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. But we've fallen into the trap of, instead of telling her what she's going to eat, we ask her, oh, what do you want? Are you hungry? What do you want to eat? Which is a terrible thing to do, by the way. Don't, don't ask a two-year-old what they want to eat. I don't know why I'm surprised when she looks back to me and goes, ice cream. I'm like, of course you want to eat ice cream. What was I thinking? <laughs> But if I gave my daughter ice cream, if I gave my daughter ice cream, what would happen? It would would be unhealthy. It's not proper nourishment. She would end up with with cavities and toothaches. Ultimately, she'd have to go to the dentist, probably have surgery. And she would resent, she she would resent me for giving her that which wasn't good for her. It's the same way that envy causes resentment for us with God, and it causes our eyes to shift off of what God has given us and onto what God has given others. So to share a little bit about—I want to share a little bit about my story because I I think um, that—I think this is a pretty good illustration— of how envy causes or could cause resentment towards God. Um, so for those of you who don't know, if, if you lived in this area about six, seven years ago, you'd know that, um, or if you listen to Christian radio, you know that I worked at a Christian radio station, WPFF. I was, I was blessed with the opportunity uh, to do the afternoon show. Um, and those who listened, I know Veggie Tales was your favorite part of the afternoon show. Like, I get it. I get told that still, like, six years later. Um, <laughs> Um, But but there's there's some backstory with with that. See, I I, I felt called to go to ministry, and so I went to school in Chicago. And after one year of going to school in Chicago, and loving it, by the way, I loved going to school. I'm one of those weird people who love writing papers. I love reading. Anyone here wants to sit down and talk theology or any—I would love to do that. Like, seriously, I'll buy coffee. We can sit down and have that conversation. Um, but I'm one of those weird people who—I love school, and I got, to, I got one year in. I got one year into school for ministry, um, and that summer, the job at the radio station opened up, and I took it. I took the job because I was at ministry and radio. This is, this is awesome. So I worked there for a handful of years, and um, after that, they ended up selling to K-Love now, so uh, you hear K-Love, and uh, when that happened, the church that I was at um, was growing, and I had an opportunity to hop on staff with them. I remember I only had uh, one year of school at this point, um, and, I, and I hopped on board with them, and at that time, I started going back to school. Um, and, and, and ever since then, I've always had this, this, this desire to finish school. Um, and so when I stand here, and my wife told me I was a little bit crazy to tell you guys this this morning, but for those of you who don't know, I haven't even finished my undergrad yet, right? I haven't even finished my undergrad yet because God has blessed me with the opportunity to work for a radio station and to work for a church, and then uh, this position opened up, and, and, and I was brought here, which was amazing. And I've been slowly, slowly finishing it up. I've got like six classes left. I'm so close. Um, but all the while, all the while, there's a parallel part to this story, um, and I asked him if I could, I could share this. So um, those of you who know my brother, Max, um, he also, he interns here at the church. Um, the only way that you could tell that we are related is by our beards. Um, like, like, literally, we were to shave our beards, you'd be like, you guys aren't related. Like, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> uh, my brother if you don't know this, is close to finishing his seminary. So if you don't know how how ministry uh, generally works, is that you do your undergrad, right? Four years, you do your undergrad. um, And then after that, you go to seminary. And seminary normally is your master's work, okay? So so my brother, my younger brother, I feel like I should preface that. I'm the older one, right? My younger brother um, is pretty close to finishing seminary. And there have been a few times, there have been a few times where I felt that pull That pull of envy saying, Look at your younger brother. He's about to finish seminary. You haven't even finished your undergrad. Now, here's the thing if I were to follow that thread, if I were to pull on that thread of envy, I would look away from all of the opportunities that I had when I was working for WPFF. The phone calls that came in and the people I had a chance to pray with, the concerts we were able to put on, and the people we were able to pray to, uh, to 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 make Jesus Lord of their life. I would I would have missed out on the opportunity to serve in the group's ministry at Sturgeon Bay Community Church. I would have missed the opportunity to serve as the Minister of Youth and Family here at Faith if I pulled on that thread of envy and begin to resent God for the direction he led me in by looking at the direction he led someone else in. This is what envy does. Envy causes us to look towards other people and desire things who normally, by the way, Max pursuing seminary is not a sinful thing, but a lot of times envy is envying things that are sinful. Sinful. That those, those verses in Proverbs talk about envying a man of violence or, or envying sinners. A lot of times when we envy, it's envying things that aren't even of God. So I praise God that I didn't pull on that string. I praise God that I didn't drink the poison of envy because I feel incredibly blessed for what God has given us. But that brings us to the third thing that envy is. Is that envy causes. So one, envy is covetousness. Two, envy causes resentment of God. And three, envy causes us to miss the gifts that God has given us. So envy not only causes us to look away towards others, but we're looking away from something, right? Here's the question we have to wrestle with. Here's the question you need to wrestle with this morning. Do you believe this to be true? When I say this, and and, and you don't answer it out loud, but you can answer it in, in your hearts or in your head. Do you believe this to be true? The saint who is experiencing incredible persecution for the gospel is experiencing far more joy than the sinner fully engaged in their sin. Do you believe that to be true? Do you believe that the saint who's experiencing incredible persecution, and there are saints all around the world currently suffering incredible persecution for the sake of the gospel, and there are people who are waking up this morning, probably not at 9.30 in the morning, but are waking up today after a night of fully indulging in their sin, Who do you believe to be having the ultimate joy? Do we believe that God gifts us with the ultimate joy? Do we believe that the persecuted in China who risk their lives just going to church at times have more joy than the man who's ignoring his duties to disciple his children instead goes and engages in his hobbies? Not that hobbies are bad, things like fishing and uh, hunting. Those are good things, but if you're doing it instead of discipling and leading your family well, which do you believe brings more joy? Jesus said that God is a good Father who gives us far better gifts than we do. Yet we warp our expectations on what those gifts are supposed to be. In the process, covetousness, envy, resentment towards God— boils up in our heart. Parents, do you believe that your children are far better gifts than any hobby or any sort of position in a job could be? Husbands, do you believe that your marriage is a far better gift than any sort of night out with the guys? Church, do we believe that to be on mission in every single moment is far far better than any worldly hope or dream could ever be. Do we believe that? The problem is is that when we envy things of the world, our expectations get warped and we answer, no, I don't. Or maybe we say, yeah, of course I do. And then our actions show otherwise. Otherwise. So, wrapping up what envy is, we can say that it causes covetousness in our hearts. We can say that it causes resentment towards God and that it causes us to miss the gifts that are given. So, how do we combat that which creeps up in our life, sin? Envy. I would argue that it stems from contentment in who Jesus is and trusting that he is in control and that he's bringing all things together for his good. So, remember how I told you to put your fingers in... into Psalm 73. We're going to open up through Psalm 73, and Psalm 73 is a really cool psalm. Um, As you're opening up there, I'm going to to take a quick drink. (laughs) Psalm 73 is going to be our guide to battling envy because Psalm 73 details a crisis of faith that's directly linked Towards envy. Um, in the Hebrew, Psalm seventy-three is written in three parts, and we don't really necessarily see that translated in the English, but we can we can kind of see it. It's it's seen in this uh, person who approaches God, uh, this person who's having this crisis of faith because of envy, and then we see what their what their resolution is because of it. And in Psalm seventy-three, three and four, so we'll we'll read most of this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna jump around a little bit. Um, Psalm 73, 3 and 4 detail where their envy stems from. It says, For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. If we back up a little bit and put it into perspective. Psalm 73, starting in verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Now pause. When we see the word Israel there, this means God's people. All right? So, truly God is good to God's people, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. The psalmist here is detailing the fact that they looked towards this other people, this people who were not God's people, and what they saw was prosperity. And he confesses that I, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, because I was envious of these people for what they had. Notice one key thing that these people didn't have. God, right? The, the psalmist goes on to state um, more on their condition. They say, this is the prosperous, the one who the psalmist is envying, and they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? So they're, they're essentially the arrogant people who say, this God of yours, how can he know? How can you, how can you even know there's knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these... Uh, Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. So we know that these people ate well. We know that these people had wealth. We know that in all cases, it looked like these people were doing well, but they were people who questioned God. They questioned how he could know and who he was. It can be so easy to fall into this trap of envy. It can be so easy to be the psalmist in this situation and to look towards what others have. And yet Jesus says, What good is it for one to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? So, church, the question is how do we battle envy? How do we identify envy and how do we battle envy? I believe Psalm 73 gives us some insight into victory over that battle. So here's the first way. The first way to battle envy or to gain contentment in who Jesus is is to put our eyes upon the Savior and rest in who he is. So we put our eyes to Jesus and we rest in who Jesus is. Psalm 73, 25 through 26 says, Whom have I you whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We put our eyes to Jesus. You know, it's 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 funny as I've as I've been praying and and, and studying about envy, um, a thought kind of popped into my head and I you know, you know who's someone we don't really envy? Like, like, we never, we never, like, sit down and say, oh, I envy this person. You know who, who we don't normally envy? We don't normally envy Jesus. Why? Because we know that Jesus portrayed the ultimate humble life. There's not much to envy when there isn't much sin going on. Now, here's the thing, though. So I thought this, and I, I still think it's pretty true. I don't think there's a lot of envying of Jesus, but there is one place in the Bible where it says that there is a group of people that envy Jesus. I was like, oh, I'm wrong. <laughs> really glad I looked that up. Um, in, in Matthew 27, I, and I was, I, I just thought it was interesting, Matthew 27, verse 18. For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. That's what it says. That's what Matthew twenty seven eighteen says. For they knew it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. So here's what we know about this. We know that Jesus knew that this group was envying him, and we knew that it was the reason why they had given him up. Given him up to what? This is the scene, Matthew 27, this portion, is the scene where the crowd chooses Barabbas over Jesus. Interesting. And what was the reason why? They envied him. Why did they envy him? Because they constructed this ideal of this ruling king who had this power, who was going to overtake Rome, and they constructed, essentially, a false Jesus, and they envied him. So I revised my statement. We can envy Jesus. I would argue, though, that When you do, you're probably constructing a false Jesus and envying him. So we place our eyes upon our Savior and rest in who he is and we have to know who he is. Whom have I in heaven but you? Jesus at the right hand of the Father praying, interceding, ruling from that place. He said in the Great Commission, all authority on heaven and on... You can respond on that one. I'll try one more time, one more time. I'll I'll, I'll give you guys a lean on that one. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on... Yeah, on earth. Do we rest in that? Do we rest well knowing that Jesus is our king? Do we live in such a way as Jesus is our king? The first way to battle envy is to place our eyes upon our Saviour, upon our King, upon our Lord and rest in who He is. The second way to battle envy is to read and believe in the promises of this King. We have we have God's word at our disposal. We live in a time, in a day, in an age where there is no excuse not to have God's word. We have it in paper form, we have it in digital form, we have it in audio form, we have it in like monotone, boring audio form, and then we have it in like dramatic, like acted out audio form. We have so many ways to hear God's word. To hear the words of our king, Psalm 73, 16 through 17 says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God and then I discerned their end. So think about this. This psalmist who's looking upon this group of people who who are rich, they eat well, they live a good life. People to be envious of. The psalmist says, when I thought on how to understand this, it was a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. And then I discerned their end. And you saw what that lifestyle leads to. As soon as the psalmist went to the promises of God, he understood that while they may have treasures in this life, they are not storing up treasures in the next life, and that it is not worth it. We have a great and high king. The first way to battle envy is to place our eyes upon him, the second way is to read and believe in the promises. Do you believe in those promises? I'll say it again. I said it at the beginning. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the back. Take them. We want you to take them. They're yours. Put your name on the inside of it. Read that thing. Currently, we're we're doing a challenge where we're reading through Proverbs through the summer. And, And the way this works is that there are 31 chapters in Proverbs, 31 days of the month. Read a proverb for each day. Today is July 8th. Go home, read Proverbs 8. Tomorrow, read Proverbs 9. Next day, read Proverbs 10. If you want more here's the cool thing by the way you start falling in love with god's word you want more right you want more you get excited you start reading the promises of our king and you say i want to know more about this king i want to know more about his promises so here you go if you want more than proverbs a chapter a day begin reading the book of romans you want more read the gospel of john if you want more let's grab a cup of coffee we can talk about it (laughs) got plenty of uh, bible plans we can walk through but read and believe the promises of Jesus. That is the second way to battle envy in our hearts. The third way to battle envy, so the first one, our eyes upon our Savior. Second one, read and believe our Savior's promise. The third way is to understand that every moment is a moment of worshiping something, Every single moment is a moment of worshiping something. We are either worshiping our Lord or we are worshiping something else. There is no in-between. Psalm 73, 16 through 17, For behold, those who are far from you shall perish, you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful for you, to you, but for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Notice the difference between the one who is far from God and the one who is near to God. We must recognize every single moment as a moment of worship. You want to hear one of my biggest pet peeves? Um, this is just one of my pet peeves, is when we, 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 we confine worship to when we're playing music on Sunday morning. We are worshiping. I'm going to be wrong. We are worshiping. But, like, we, we talk in such a way, right? This is a part of kind of the, the, the Christian culture sometimes that we talk as if worship is only the songs that we sing on Sunday morning or maybe it's a Spotify playlist we put together or maybe it's that Christian radio station we listen to. But we confine worship to being just something we do when we're singing. And I, I think it would be pretty sad That the only moments we're worshiping our God is when it's by song. It's great that we do it. I told you at the beginning of this, I love getting to sing with you. But if we confine it to just music, we're missing the point. Those of you who know me will not be surprised that I decided to include a quote from one of my favorite pastors, Charles Spurgeon. Not even a chuckle. I thought at least one person would say, yeah, okay, thank you, all right. Charles Spurgeon was uh, known as the Prince of Preachers, and um, he has an amazing quote on envy that I think reminds us of this idea of how we battle envy in recognizing each moment as a moment of worship. He said, the cure for envy lies in living under a constant sense of Of the divine presence, worshiping God and communing with Him all the day long, however long the day may seem. True religion lifts the soul into a higher region where the judgment becomes more clear and the desires are more elevated. The more of heaven there is in our lives, the less of earth we shall covet. The fear of God casts out envy of men. Oh, what an amazing quote! What an amazing truth. This is how we battle envy, is living in a constant sense of the divine living presence, knowing that each and every moment is a moment of worship, asking God that he would change our desires to be his desires, knowing that his desires are far greater than our desires, and knowing that his desires are good and they will bring the most joy out of our life. Church, do we believe that? Do we believe that his desires are far better than our desires? Will you take upon the challenge this week to view each and every moment as a moment of worship, whether you work at a desk job, whether you work at a job where you work with your hands, whether you're working in a, a factory, whether it's at home with your family, whether you are out with friends, whether you are home alone, will you view each and every moment as a moment of worship? There's very little room in the heart of a Christian for envy when we are constantly viewing each and every moment as a moment of worship. So envy. Starts off by saying envy is rot to our lives. Envy causes covetousness. It causes resentment towards God. Envy causes us to look away from the gifts of God. But praise God, he's given us ways to battle envy by looking upon our Savior, our Lord, our King, by looking at his promises, knowing his promises, reading his promises, memorizing his promises, and by looking at each and every moment as a moment of worship. Church, let us cast away our envy. Let's look upon the promises of Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for an opportunity to share your truth. Lord, I pray that for those in here who are wrestling with active envy, that you would give them hope you give them hope that you could take that envy from them. Lord, for our desires, when our desires do not align with your desires, I pray that you would change our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would be a church known as a church who sees every single moment as a moment of worshiping you. You are so good. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.